Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Purple Thursday. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi. It's really cool that you guys took me out of the, the text group. Really I cool. see your shorts have a little purpley vibe to them. Ah, they're blue. I'm sorry. Well, you know, be more purple. It's a purpley <laughs> kind of day. Mm. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about the conference finals, which start tonight. And we're going to welcome our buddy Craig Morgan from PHNX Coyotes to discuss which what future the Arizona Coyotes have in Arizona, if any. It is a super interesting story if you're a hockey fan. And I assume if you're here, you're a hockey fan. Smash that like button on YouTube for us. Make sure you like our YouTube page as well. Subscribe. Make sure if you're listening on your favorite podcast app that you follow or subscribe there as well. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And remember, it's never a bad day to become a diehard at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt or hat upon sign-up. You get 20% off all of our merch at CHGO Locker and all of our events. It's really a great deal. We've got that new old Captain My Captain design. You've got the CHGO hockey design, the uh, original CHGO Blackhawks logo that you can see on your screen there. Uh, and every podcast here has a bunch of their own merch. So go check it out. AllCHGO.com. Become a diehard and pick out your free piece of merch. And there's uh, some new merch that will drop soon. That's right. Probably mm-hmm. right around draft day. Probably. I would say it would probably be a time where some new merch is going to draft. Probably. It's going to drop. So be ready for that. Um, thanks for being with us. Let's start with our conference final predictions, fellas. That will publish at allchgo.com as soon as this show is over. Um, but, man, it's 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 not – as I sat down to kind of crank this out uh, last night, it was kind of tough to make these picks. They're tough matchups. Yeah, they're, they're really good matchups. Um, I, I know we, we already kind of talked about the non-traditional market angle of all this, but the actual hockey is going to be really good. And if, if you haven't been tuned in uh, to the NHL playoffs uh, yet – you definitely uh, are going to not want to miss these conference finals because there's there's a ton of star power. There's a ton of really good storylines. Um, the Florida Panthers are are they they took down historically one of the best regular season teams uh, in the Bruins in the first round, and then did the same to the next Cup favorite out of the Eastern Conference in the you know Toronto Maple Leafs. So 
you know, their path here has been pretty impressive uh, and it, they show no signs of stopping. And um, I'm actually going with the Florida Panthers. I've go, I've gone against them the last two rounds and it's been, it's been my, uh, my mistake. So I'm not, I'm not going to be fooled the third time. Um, I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers and that's hard to do knowing that Carolina has been playing the way that they have minus Max Pacioretty, Andrei Svechnikov, and Tavo Teravainen, and knowing Tavo's back tonight. So yeah. I'm sticking to it. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm sticking to the Panthers, but, man, that's, that's going to be a great matchup. I think you screwed them because the fact that you've been picking against them has been the motivation. <laughs> well, it's on, on, on the walker Well, he's on, he's on our side now, so we can stop well, playing. The next time I'm in Florida, you can all blame me. Um, yeah, you're right. It's... It's uh, it's gonna be two great series. I know there's a lot of buzz out there that oh, this hurts the league. You don't have a major market. You don't have a Connor McDavid. You got four really good deep teams yep. that have plenty. Matthew Kachuk has been. There's two guys on each side of this conference finals that are having coming out parties and are con Smythe favorites. And it's Matthew Kachuk. I mean, a lot of people knew about him before this. Right. The other guy, we'll get to that series later, but Rupe Hints has been mm-hmm. amazing. Awesome. And, yep. like, yep. The, one of the biggest reasons Dallas is all right. But since we're talking about the, the Carolina series, um, that was real tough. I think both series are going to go seven just because they're so oh, evenly matched. Give us all the hockey. Um, Florida's been an amazing story. The most impressive thing that they've done, anybody's done, they've won six straight row games. Three in a row in That's Boston, crazy. all three in Toronto. And they're not winning road games at the Winnipeg Jets or, you know, at the, the whoever, you know. They're winning in Boston, Boston and, and Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. That's so going to Carolina for impressive. these first two games is not going to intimidate them in the <laughs> least. Carolina's got to figure out a way to win at home. Take that edge away from them. It starts tonight. You win this first game and, you know, establish that home ice advantage. That's going to go a long way. Um, I don't like picking against the Panthers. Um, you know, I, I, I've been saying all the second half of the regular season that Boston was prime for an upset, and yet I didn't have the balls to pick the Panthers, <laughs> even though I thought they had a really good shot. I didn't have the, I didn't have the stones to actually pick them, yeah. but I picked them against Toronto. But when I watch these games and I watch Carolina, Carolina has the best defensive group in the NHL, and it's like what they've been able to do defensively, mm-hmm. both with and without the puck, that's going to put them over the edge. I think they have the edge in coaching, and they have the edge in overall depth, and over a course of a seven-game series, those three things are going to give them the advantage. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Carolina in seven, which blows my mind because I've picked Carolina to go to the Stanley Cup final each of the last – Three, uh, two seasons, three <laughs> yeah. seasons. I picked them before the season started. I picked them to go to the Stanley Cup final. And you, you lose Pacioretty. You lose Svechnikov. You go through the first two rounds without ter- 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 that guy, number 86, <laughs> yep. Table Teravinen. And yet here you are. Yeah. And you've played three goalies. Right. Because it doesn't matter what goalie you have there because they're giving up less than 28 shots a game. That's... In this NHL, that's impressive as hell. Mm-hmm. They and they've already got experience playing a team that like the Panthers when they dispatched the Islanders, a very tough, physical, forechecking team. 
Obviously, the Panthers have a little have a lot more offense than the Islanders do with Kachuk and Carter Vahegi has been mm-hmm. amazing, and they've got some speed. But then they what they so they were able to play the grinded out game with the Islanders, and then they took the Devils, the fastest team in the NHL, riding high and completely made them play their game. Yeah. yeah. So Carolina can play both games. They could play up and down the ice. They could slow it down and muck it up. And they've got the best coach in hockey. I mean, that, that's the thing. And we, like you said, a lot of people have been picking Carolina every year. And then this year, I think maybe with the injuries and everything, people kind of backed off a little bit. But they are as cup-ready as anybody. And, and like, it's so impressive what Florida has done in taking down Boston and taking down Toronto. And on paper, theoretically, Carolina will be the least of the three teams they've played so far. Right. But they don't play the game on paper. And how often since we have started this show do we talk about depth just wearing your ass out over a seven-game series? And, yeah, Carolina does not have the superstar power. Probably of the remaining teams, they have the least superstar power, actually. But they're deeper than anybody they're strong defensively. The coaching yeah. cannot be ignored. I pick Carolina in seven as well. Uh, Tara Vinen coming back. I don't know how healthy he'll be, how much of an impact he'll be. They got him slotted on the third line right now uh, in the pregame lines. Uh, everybody so. knows it's a hand, so they're going to be slashing the hell out yeah. of him. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I want the Panthers to win. Um, everyone knows I love Tavo, but Matthew Kachuk is my favorite player in the league. Tuomo Rutu is behind the bench for the Panthers, another yeah. one of my all-time favorites. And I just love the story of the Hawks' hand in this whole thing. Yeah. Of beating right? the Penguins to get the Panthers in, and the Panthers make a run to potentially the cup final. I'm picking Carolina. My heart is with the Panthers, so I really can't lose. Um <laughs> I just cannot wait for this series to begin. I can't wait. I am so ready for this game. Yeah. Last night I was actually angry there was no hockey on. <laughs> it was yeah. one of those nights like, come on, like start this now. It was, it was, I've got free time. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, you, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the advantage in coaching that Carolina has. It's such an interesting dynamic between Paul Maurice and, and Rob Brindamore being that Maurice coached Brendan Moore at the end of his career. Like they won the Stanley Cup together. It's it's such a it's so interesting to now see them going against each other uh, as coach as coaches in the in the conference final. But I mean, I tend to agree. Rod Brendan is is a tremendous coach, and um, you know Carolina. You talk about you know we we talked about this year with the Blackhawks, like trying to find like their culture and their identity and and everything like that through what Luke Richardson was expecting. Look at what Carolina and Rob Brindamore have done. Like that is the that is the blueprint and the finished product of taking on the culture and the characteristics of the person that's leading you behind the bench. Like they play exactly how Rob Brindamore wants them to, a successful way, a similar way to the way he played. Like it was it's it's impressive to see what Carolina and has done with with Brindamore and yeah, to finally, you know, get beyond the conference final with this group, uh, with him as head coach, would be would be you know kind of like the the expectations finally being met for the Hurricanes, which would be which would be pretty cool yeah. to see. The, Part, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say when you're talking about the coaching, it's much like we said <clears throat> with the Seattle Kraken, 
when you've got 18 guys pulling in the same direction, it doesn't matter if you've got the superstars or not. Yeah. It's the next man up. I mean, guys get hurt, get injured. They don't feel it for, sorry for themselves. They just call up Mackenzie McEckern from the Chicago Wolves, and he <laughs> scores a goal and gets two points in his first game. Like, yeah. did, nothing phases that. Yeah. And that's Rob Brendamore. Yep. Well, you know, I, I have thought about this a lot, and when you talk about players that are similar, I know that Luke Richardson was a defenseman and Rod Brendamore was a forward. But very similar, long-time, grinding. Mm-hmm. Rod could score. Rod was a really good player, don't get me wrong. But both excelled at their specific roles, of yeah. Brindamore being that two-way forward, of Luke Richardson being that physical shutdown defenseman. Both did it forever. Both have that commanding presence based on what they accomplished in their career, based on the certainty they have in what they're doing and mm-hmm. what they're coaching. And I'm not going to say that Luke Richardson's as good a coach as Rod Brindamore, not at all. But your point, Greg, about 18 guys pulling in the same direction, we saw it all year with the Hawks. They don't have the talent Carolina has, but those dudes believe in that guy behind the bench. And that makes a huge difference, Mm -hmm. a massive difference. Even with Q, there was some frustration from guys sometimes because of the constant line shuffling. Yeah. And guys in and out and guys being punished for a mistake, right? Like a turnover, they happen, right? And they'd find themselves on the bench for a game or two. That doesn't seem to be the way that Brindamore coaches. It's not the way that Luke Richardson coaches. So to me, the similarities there, we've got a long time to figure out if if Luke's on the same trajectory or will be as good as as, uh, Brindamore. But I think the similarities are very noticeable between the two, just in their demeanor. Because... Brindamore, when you get him away from the podium, if you ever seen like an interview with him, he's funny. He's got personality. He tells good stories. Richardson's the same way. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I've always thought, even when they played, you talk about like who's the defensive version of Rod Brindamore. Luke Richardson is one of those guys you would think of. Seems like it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, he's knock a, on yeah. compressed sawdust. The uh, <laughs> the the coaching path uh, follows. Well, you yeah. mentioned earlier that that. On paper, this is the weakest of the three teams that, that Florida is going to have to play, but it's actually the strongest team on the ice. Yeah. They're the deepest. Exa- yes, They're deeper exactly. than both teams, but they also play better team hockey than both the Bruins yep. and the Maple Leafs did. Yeah. So uh, one thing that's going to, like, no matter who wins this series, it's who I'm going to be cheering for in the Stanley Cup final. I like both teams. Yeah. Uh, and... One thing that I'm going to be intrigued with, why I'm sure a lot of the players were, I mean, the Panthers haven't played in almost a week, right? They closed that series out on Friday yeah. last week. Mm-hmm. So six days between games, while I'm sure a lot of guys are grateful for that rest and the, you know, healing up some bumps and bruises. What does that do to Sergei Bobrovsky? A red hot yeah. goalie wants to play like yeah. every you other want to ride that to keep momentum. Going. <laughs> Six days off. He's playing street hockey. Like yeah, someone right. shoot on me. Yeah. Like <laughs> after two days, you probably start to be like, I need to get out there and start yeah. saving pucks mm-hmm. because when when a goalie like that, it's all about rhythm and consistency. So it's be hard. interesting to see if what happens tonight. And it's hard to carry that over just through practice too. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, it's a different beast. Yeah. In, in in practice, you know the shots are coming; they're not contested. You can see them. So that's going to be something I'm going to watch for this first period. Is yeah. 
if I'm the if I'm the Hurricanes, I do my best to try and get some pucks on the net as quickly and as often as possible. That's a huge thing for the Panthers too. Is, if Bobrovsky reverts which, back, which Bobrovsky are you getting? If he reverts back to the guy he was in November, this series is over in mm-hmm. five. Yeah, it'll be quick. Well, let's we move on to the Western Conference out, Final. Let's recap. Head out to the Southwest. Carolina in seven. Carolina in seven. Florida in seven. All right. All right. Let's hope it goes little, seven. Little variety. That would be great. Uh, Western Conference Finals. It is the Stars and the Golden Knights. That starts uh, Friday night. It's another one. It's just, <laughs> it's going to be another awesome series. Yeah. I, 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 I'm really excited. I think it's kind of what inspired yesterday's rant about don't talk to me about market size. Talk to me about the quality of the matchups. Yeah, what you're going to watch. And this is another terrific matchup. Uh, you know, it took me a long time this season to buy in on the Stars. Just because they weren't one of those preseason favorites. They'd kind of had those expectations in the past and have always sort of fallen short. And we saw them make a decent run with Jake Ottinger this carrying their asses. Mm-hmm. You know, making like 60 saves a game. This has been different with the emergence of, of, of Robertson and the guys you mentioned earlier. It's a different team. It's a stronger team. It's a deeper team. Uh, Max Domi is coming and fit in like a glove. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has the feeling of like the stars year. I'm picking them to win this series in six. I, I, I think Vegas is tougher than I give them credit for too. Kind of similar to Carolina where very deep they are adaptable where they can play kind of any style of series yeah. that you need them to but just the way dallas has been playing and you've got the storybook with joe pavelski coming back from the concussion and just being awesome yeah you know and and i feel like there's sometimes in championship years where you like point to moments right and you say this happened in a regular season or this like nashville game five Right. Is a great example. That's a moment. There's these moments where you're kind of like, I know this is a special thing. Mm-hmm. And I think Joe Pavelski's return kind of would qualify as one of those. And I know that's not analytical. I know it's not data-driven. It's just feel. But I've just been really impressed with the Stars in this playoff run. They're deep. They're fast. They can score. They've got a great goalie. And he has not played his best hockey yet. I think it's still to come. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I got, I got the stars in six. I, I just I just love that team. I love the way they've built their team. I also have stars in six. I wouldn't be surprised or sad if it went seven, but I'm still going to go with the stars. Um, you know, they've they've gotten this far without having one of the guys that drove them during the regular season being one of the best players, and that's Jason Robertson. Like that's that probably still is coming. Hopefully for the stars' sake they, in this in this series, it, yeah. but. To have guys like like you mentioned, Rupe Hints, uh, Miro Heiskanen, like how like it's crazy how underrated he is across if the league. Miro Heiskanen played for any one of the Canadian teams, he would be the hands down Norris Trophy or, winner. This or year. Boston, or yeah, like he seventy three points in seventy nine games as play, a defenseman. He's playing yeah. over he's playing, thirty minutes. He's a doing game. what yep. Duncan Keith yes. did in twenty fifteen. Yes, if he was, he is probably the most. He's the best defenseman in the NHL. Nobody's heard of. Yeah, because he plays in Dallas. Well, yeah, You're hearing it now, but if he played, and he had and he had shared some of the spotlight with Klingberg for a while, yep. and but then I mean he's he's definitely if he, one of the if top. If he played on one of those defensemen. northeastern teams, an original six team, whatever, he would be very. He uh, would be, he'd be winning the the Norris Trophy this season. He'd be very well known. So yeah, I mean you have Robertson and Hints and Heiskanen, and then you also have Pavelski and Sagan and Jamie Ben. 
Um, Jake Ottinger, I think, is, is is pretty solid. And that's not to take anything away from Vegas. Like, Vegas is a, is, is a talented, deep team, too. Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo. Um, and they're and they're doing it with like their fourth goalie too. Like yeah, sometimes you just need team. a little. Sometimes you just need some some storyline luck to uh, to move forward. But I'm still going with Dallas. It's going to be a great series. Um, yeah, it's it's again the star power is there, so yeah. it's it's going to be fun. I think a lot of I'm seeing a lot of the, the the pundits going with Vegas. You know, I understand that pick. They've been tremendous. Uh, Jack Eichel. Talk about guys having coming out parties. Yeah. I mean, he's playing a complete 200-foot game. Mm-hmm. He's been tremendous. You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of Jack Eichel, the dude, but Jack Eichel, the player, is fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and, and, hey, we said it yesterday. Not many people. There's, he's got a chance to get to the, the Stanley Cup final before Connor McDavid, the guy drafted ahead of him. Nobody would have predicted that no. back on that draft night or no. even – Three well, weeks ago. Because he went to the Sabres. Nobody would have predicted that three weeks ago. Yeah. Let alone right? you know, three yeah. years ago. I will say one thing for, for Eichel that is a bit redeeming is he he advocated for himself in Buffalo to, you know, with his whole neck injury and, and everything like that. And like to see him now be in Vegas where he's able to be a kind of a different player. Yeah. And and have that like second career basically. Like that's that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool storyline to yeah. see if, if if that comes to fruition. I also think you guys can mature, and it feels like over the last year or two, he has sort of grown up a little bit. He's kind of changed his attitude a little bit. Look, let's be honest. Like until this year, playing in Buffalo sucked. Yeah, it sucked. Mm-hmm. You're in a not great market. Not the most intriguing city in the world. A very, You're getting your ass kicked every night. A very rabid fan base Yeah, where the organization got in their own way. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you got the Eichel. You've got, you know, you've got a lot of the guys that were huge contributors for that miracle run in 2018 that are chipping in again. And William Carlson, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, where'd he come from, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Riley Smith is still there doing what he does, and, and Jonathan Marsha show has been tremendous. Was Shea Theodore on that team, too? Uh, I believe he was, yes. Yeah. And, you know, then you add Mark Stone, who, you know, give, even at 75% or whatever he's at, still yeah. very good. And Alex Petrangelo, when he's not being a pudwack, trying to take guys' <laughs> arms off Lumberjack. their butt. Yeah. So... But their goaltending, their team proving that you don't need the superstar goalie, you, you need depth. Sean Burke, who's been working with those goalies, deserves a ton of credit and is probably going to, I know people might start thinking, oh, maybe he'll get some calls to be you know more than just a goalie coach. I think his aspirations lie in a front office mm. more than behind a bench, but doing what he did. But at some point, that magic's got to wear off at some point, right? I mean, I've been doubting Maybe. their goal attending since September, and here <laughs> we are. But Jake Ottinger versus Aiden Hill, I got to give the, the nod to Jake Ottinger. But Jake Ottinger has been kind of eh. Yeah. In that, in that last series, when he's been good, he's been fantastic. But when he's been bad, he's been really bad in watching the third period from the bench. But if Jake Ottinger has got the ability to single-handedly win a game or two in that series that Dallas has no business winning, and Dallas has proven – throughout the playoffs that they are better as the series yep. goes along. Case in point, they fell behind two, two to one in both series, one in six, one in seven. Um, the Pete DeBoer versus the team that fired him about a year ago. That's a juicy story. <laughs> yep. 
that would just produce a lot of tears in Las Vegas, and I'm a fan of that. Um, Juicy story, my favorite Finnish defenseman, by the way. Yes, yeah, <laughs> with, with two eyes. Um, <laughs> and it's for that. I, I'm picking shock. I'm not picking the golden the, the <laughs> what? Golden Knights. No. I can't believe it. it's not out of it's not out of hatred. I picked them to win in the first round. Yeah, you did. You so did. you know, <laughs> I, I'm taking Dallas in seven. I'm both going seven. I'm taking Dallas. I think they're just the more complete team, and that they've got the better goaltending, and they've got. I've, I just I think Pete DeBoer is going to have that team motivated. You know. Pete DeBoer's got magic that first year or two yeah. he's in any yeah. team. He's got that magic. This is, three, three this is Gerard Gallant. Yeah, except <laughs> he's actually, you know, gotten, he's gotten something out of it. Yeah. But, like, this is the year to capitalize on it. You know the team is going to want to play hard for their coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially against his old team. So I'm going Dallas in seven. So we're going to have Dallas Carolina in the cup. Final. Sign me up. Just like we all predicted at the beginning sure. of the season. We have, uh, yeah, exactly. Mario and I have Dallas in six, so yep. it should be a lot of fun. Hey, doesn't our set look awesome with all these uh, cool bobbleheads and yeah. and uh, decorations? We got those from That's our wonderful. friends at FOCO. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It is spring, and it is baseball season. Get yourself an Aloha shirt, a straw hat, Polos, bags, everything you need for the game. Check out foco.com or click the click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, you can use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. That's foco.com, F-O-C-O.com. Yeah, it's not just the bobbleheads and the and the it's kind of everything. If you want to deck out your your man cave or your she shed, that's the place to go to get all your all your decor. And they have also got a great collection of uh, clothing and hats and all that sort of stuff, yeah. banana hammocks, whatever you need uh, for the spring and summer ahead. And get Foco.com. Sports-themed Crocs and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's fun Everything. stuff. Everything. Slap a logo on it, and Foco's got it. Foco.com. Remember, use that code CHGO for 10% off all non-presale items. While we have a moment, I want to bring up something very near and dear to my heart and oh. important to all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program Mm. because it's committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve. They're helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. That's right, Greg. ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment and other industrial processes this is the part of the show where i normally like zone out so can you please explain to me how that works sure <laughs> i will do that gladly focus greg an I'm authorized i'm gonna get it an authorized engineer will work with you greg to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs these can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours within two to four within three to four weeks Customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, do not wait. Get started saving money and energy, also known as Munergy, mm-hmm. today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com poweringbiz, B-I-Z. Did you say comed.com slash powering biz? Yep, biz, B-I-Z. That's exactly what I said. I'm glad you were listening. All right. 
Schedule your appointments today. 28th time's the charm. There you go. All right, let's head out to the desert and welcome in our friend from the PHNX Coyotes podcast and PHNX Sports. It's Craig Morgan. Hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. Oh, hold on. We got you yeah. muted. There we go. There we okay. go. Shut up. There, there we you are. All right. How's your week been? Busy? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's, it's business as usual out here. This is what happens every summer. All right. For those that missed it, for those that missed it, and I don't think many have, but just in case, uh, the city of Tucson had a referendum to build a sports Tempe. and entertainment. Tempe. Tempe, Tempe, Tempe. Sorry. Tucson, Tempe. Yeah. Same thing. Um, an entertainment complex that on literally the site of a toxic waste dump, uh, and it was voted down. So now the question is, Craig, what is next for the Coyotes? I know this is fluid. So what is the very latest on the Coyote situation in Arizona? You know, it's funny. I was at the Tempe Winds campaign headquarters that night, the night of the election, and there was so much confidence that this was going to pass. They thought it was going to pass easily, and instead it got crushed. When those results went up on the board, it was like I was at a funeral all of a sudden. It was I walked out of that that place that night thinking, I think this is the end. It really felt like they were out of options. This location was great. I thought the deal was great. I thought the city of Tempe did an incredible job of protecting itself from any liability in spite of all the misinformation that was being put out there by the no campaign. And when this failed, it just really didn't feel like there was another option. But as often happens with coverage of the Coyotes, 24 hours later, I felt entirely different. And now I can tell you that they are looking as, as many as five or six sites as potential fallbacks now. And I think they have the league's blessing. I think they are still committed to the Alex Morello ownership group. And I still think they're committed to finding a solution here in Arizona, which I know a lot of people around the NHL world disagree with. But here we are. Why, why was the organization <clears throat> so confident that the vote would pass? And what, what do you think was the difference in the messaging there to the actual result? Well, the organization was confident based on their own internal polling. Um, so fire that for, uh, polling firm, obviously, because they thought they had as much as a 10-point lead going into that night. They thought they were going to get 56 to 57% of the Tepe vote in their favor. It turned out that that were 56, 57% against the Coyotes uh, arrangement. So it was way off. It was beyond the margins of error. So they clearly were misguided. I, I mean, I talked to people all over city of Tempe. I talked to people all around this multiple sources. I literally got a text from someone saying, are you coming to the victory party? Well, it, it was anything but that as for why it failed. I mentioned misinformation and there was a whole lot of it from the no campaign. They ran, a pretty sleazy campaign, to be honest. There were a lot of things being said about Alex Morello. Listen, he he didn't help himself with some of his past behavior, so he was probably open for attack. But they they were telling outright lies, too, about some things like the reasons the Coyotes got kicked out of Glendale, um, whether tax money was going to pay for it. They, they really swayed the voters, and it, it was a largely um, elderly vote. Most of the, I think it was like 43% were 65 and over in this vote. They really reached them, and I think the Coyotes' messaging on the flip side was pretty bad, honestly. They got outspent, first of all, by a wide margin, which is dumbfounding to me when you can when you consider how much Alex Morello had to gain by getting this project. I don't know how you get outspent 
Uh, but again, also, they didn't hire the right people to get the right messages out. They're talking about building the Rodeo Drive of Arizona to 65 and up Tempe voters who don't give, quite frankly, a shit about that. They care about taxes. They care about traffic. So they ran a bad campaign. And all those things put together, they lost and they lost decisively. I thought that was the end because... Again, I didn't think there were any other viable options, but now, again, I, and I, I've reported a couple of them. Like, I know they're looking at Fiesta Mall. I know you guys don't know the geography of this place. It's about six miles away from um, the site where they were planning, but there are other sites as well that are even closer to the site that they were planning. So, again, we're just going to have to wait and see how all this mess plays out with the Coyotes. Just real quick, with the Tempe thing, from what I understand, mostly privately funded this is happening on if you want to describe it as a toxic waste dump or a waste dump either way yeah. that's going to have to be remediated one way or another so this yes. would have solved that problem what was the argument against this because you mentioned taxes to the elderly and i get that like my parents are old they don't want to pay more taxes totally understood but with so much private funding what was the actual concern well, the, the, I mean, they did sell the idea that this was still going to be on the Tempe taxpayers, of course, which was not true. If you looked at the structure of the deal, the only tax money that was going to pay down the debt was sales tax generated within the district. So if you went to a game, you stayed at a hotel, you went to a restaurant or a shop, a portion of that sales tax would have been used to pay down the debt. If you never visited the district, you wouldn't pay a cent for it. So Tempe taxpayers were not on the hook at all. And that's you know part of the work that the city of Tempe and its staff and, and former mayor, mayor Hugh Hallman put into this to make sure that they had protected themselves from any liability. But that somehow didn't somehow the no campaign won that messaging the other thing about the dump itself the no campaign kept saying there's a better deal out there well this site has been sitting there for 70 years nothing has changed and nobody has approached them about developing it and as former mayor neil guliano said to me that night after the results came in he said craig i'm going to be dead and there still will be nothing on that site there is no better deal out there this was the deal and tempe voters blew it Feels like something out of Parks and Rec. But I understand the messaging, right? Why did they not want it? This is what I don't understand. I understand how they got it to be a no vote, but the people that were against it, what were they actually against? Because if it's Noise. not a big tech... Okay. Noise, traffic, again, taxes. They still felt like they were going to get hit, hit with taxes, and then, oh, they didn't want to give more money to a corrupt billionaire. That was that was part of the messaging as well. No, no more money for corrupt billionaires. So now you can take a look at the Tempe No campaign, the, the, the opposition, and if you do a deep dive on how this was financed by unions, including one that's based out of state, like one of the lead members of this union, Lauren Kuby, used to be a, a council member in Tempe, and I want to know what she got from this union. She wanted to bring in union workers from out of state to help build this. So she wanted to give jobs away to California union workers instead of in-state Arizona workers. Um, but then you look at the like the principal spokesperson. Also, there was sort of this shell game of money that was being moved around. She said she wasn't paid for this at all. And like every Politico that I've ever talked to that looked at the, the, the balance sheet there said, no, that's not what in-kind donations look like. She got paid. So it's 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 it was sort of this pearl clutching. We're here for the people. We're we're, we're worried about the, the future of Tempe. But these people got paid and they were protecting special interests, which is how politics always works. Yeah, uh, bad polling, misinformation. That sounds familiar. We've been getting a lot of that everywhere. Uh, and as someone that used to 
sit on a zoning board, it's the same thing. Oh my God, traffic and noise. Everybody fears mm-hmm. those things. And this was on a grand scale. I know ideally both the NHL and the Coyotes want to own their own building based on some of the nightmares of the past in this franchise. You want to own your own building. This was their chance. It sounds like there may still be an opportunity, but one of the things that came out early uh, is, is there is that possibility of getting a deal working out with the Phoenix Suns and their new ownership. Is that still a possibility? It, it can't work as a tenant. They, they will not go back into Footprint Center as a tenant of the Phoenix Suns. Um, that, that's where they were originally. That's what, where they came uh, when they came from Winnipeg. They moved into what was then America West Arena, but they left because they were a Phoenix Suns tenant and payroll kept skyrocketing in the NHL and they could no longer make it work without those all those ancillary revenues like naming rights, like parking rights, wh- whatever else you associate with the arena. The NHL, more than any other league, is dependent on revenue from its arena because it doesn't have the massive TV or radio deals that other sports do. So for them to go downtown with and partner with the Suns again and play in the same arena, first of all, you got to renovate that arena because you've still got that entire north end, like 4,500 seats of obstructed view that was an issue when they were first there. So you'd have to do that, but that's probably manageable. The other stuff is not. If they were to go back downtown, the only way this works is if Matt Ishbia wants to buy the Coyotes. I don't know if that's a possibility yet. I've seen some rumors out there. The other side of this, though, is I don't, I don't think that the league is inclined to force Alex Morello to sell this team right now. I think they are still staying loyal to Alex Morello. So if you don't force a sale, well, then that's a non-starter. So we saw yesterday that, you know, Bill Daly came out and said that next season will be played at uh, Mullet Arena on the ASU campus. Does that extension of that period of, t- of, of time that they had on the original deal, which I think was, what, three years with the fourth option? Yeah. Does that, it's, does I mean, that give... Still, they're still on that. Okay. Does that give them more leeway to say, well, we have time to build... To, to broker a deal with either another arena or, or anything like that? Or are they basically saying, well, we're going to do one more year and figure it out after that? Yeah, they signed the deal to play at Mullet before last season, and it was always a three-year with a... Honestly, it's more than a fourth-year option. The ASU basically told them, you can renew on a year-by-year basis after that. You can stay as long as you need to. ASU's making a lot of money in this, so they're, they're fine with the arrangement. Um, but when I look at this whole timeline now, it was always assumed that the Coyotes were going to be at Mullet for three more years beyond this past season. So three more years from this point on. If they can stay within that timeline still with a new site, I, I think it's workable um, because you're really not changing anything in anybody's minds, whether it's the Board of Governors or the PA. Everybody already knew that this was going to be the timeline. Um, but if you have to extend it out, that's where I wonder. You know, th- This deal took two years to put together at least. How long will it take to put another deal together? Now, they may have the workings of it right here, so that works in their favor. And also, they don't have to remediate any other land, so you're not talking about eight months just to clean up a site before you can start, you know, put shovels in the ground and and break ground in a new arena. So that may play in their favor, but I just have a hard time believing that the Board of Governors is going to sign off on an extension beyond those three years at Mullet. I have a hard time believing 
that the PA is going to sign off, especially with a new chief. I don't think that they're going to say, yeah, go ahead and play six years at Mullet Arena, kill our revenue league-wide, put these players in this situation. I can't see that happening. So I got to believe that whatever plan that they come up with has to stay within this current timeline. Oof, that's tough, man. It's I, 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 What's your level of hope? Like, if you had to handicap it, you know, give me a percentage that the Coyotes stay and figure something out. I, I can't. I, I, I got to do so much more reporting on these potential sites that they're looking at because each one of them, listen, I outlined a bunch of them in my story right off the vote. So I already put a bunch of these places out there, but my understanding is there are even more now that they're considering. It's just, it's diving into the details of the complications. Like for instance, if they go to Fiesta Mall in Mesa, you still may have to have a public vote. We saw how that went. And, and quite honestly, Mesa's electorate is probably less inclined to approve it than Tempe's electorate. So if it has to go to a public vote, I don't see it happening really anywhere in the Valley. But if you can find a piece of land that you can acquire privately, that's a whole different ball game. Or if you can find something on a County Island where it's not beholden to a potential referendum that changes the game, or maybe again, as has been talked about for, I don't know how many years now, Maybe you partner with one of the tribes and build on reservation land where, you, again, you don't need a public vote. You don't need any oversight from a municipal, uh, municipality to get it approved. There's so many moving parts right now, guys, that it's really hard to put any kind of odds on it at this point. It's just I'm in the same boat I've been in for the last like 23 years, just following the news. And that's all I can do at this point. Got a good question from uh, Region Rev in the chat. She says, why did the Coyotes push for a special election in May? Wouldn't having a referendum on the November ballot have been better? No, I, it, they they knew that this was going to go to referendum one way or the other. Uh, I know a lot of people have asked me locally, why did they put it to a vote? Why didn't the city council just pass it? Well, the city council and the, the Coyotes knew that if they tried to do that, an opposition group would challenge it and it would go to referendum referendum anyway and per arizona referendum laws you need an 180 day window uh between that and when the actual vote is so it would have pushed it to august this this new referendum would have been in august instead of in may so they would have pushed out their timeline for maybe breaking ground on a new arena that's why they did what they did but in terms of time of the year when it would matter i i, I don't see that as a factor to be honest it was just a matter of as we talked about early spending and proper messaging and they they lost that battle decisively well, hopefully if if it comes to another public vote, they learn from their mistakes and uh, <laughs> yeah. do a little better on that. But I know not a lot of people are focusing on the on-ice product right now with all this going on, but there's a ripple effect to the uncertainty of this franchise. And I think the biggest ripple could be what Logan Cooley decides to do this year because he has not made that decision a lot yep. of people saying he was waiting for this decision to this vote to come through. That was going to factor if he decides to go back to Minnesota this year or this upcoming season or turn pro. How do you think this affects his decision right now, not only for this season, but going forward? Yeah, I think that's and Logan Cooley is the guy to point to when you're talking about this, like existing players care about this, too. Like we just had uh, Brian and Scott Bartlett on our show earlier today and they represent Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller cares about this too because he doesn't want to be in limbo with a team that's continually rebuilding in the prime of his career. So it, it's a topic of discussion on, on a lot of fronts, but with a guy like Logan Cooley in particular, 
yeah, he, I mean, it's pretty obvious now that he was waiting to see what happened with his vote. He wants some clarity on the future of this franchise. To me, looking at the situation right now, and, and a lot of players go back for a second year of college anyway. They like that route for development. So I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all if Logan, Logan Cooley goes back for another year, but why on earth would he step into this situation right now, sign his ELC, and then come play at Mullet Arena for the next three years and not even know where he's going to be living beyond that? I, I mean, if, if, if I'm in his shoes, I'm going back to Minnesota. You have to imagine that that trickles over to free agency and, and, and the offseason. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you talked with the agents today. Is, is the sense around the league that, you know, this not only previously, no offense, but Arizona wasn't the most destination-friendly place for, for free agents, but does this make it even harder knowing that a team is, is in this position with their arena or maybe relocation or, or, or whatnot? Does that make it harder for, for the Coyotes to build a team to go out and, and try and you know, find players interested in, in being there? Well, not really right now because they're in rebuild mode. So they're not looking for that level of free agent that is going to have, you know, be able to pick and choose the situation. Um, they're not looking for top tier free agents right now. Honestly, they're not even looking for mid tier free agents right now. They're they're filling out a roster and they're looking at guys who might bring them some return at the trade deadline like a Nick Bugstad did last year or Shane Gostisbehere was a, an extreme example because that was an utter steal I have no idea what the Flyers were doing there. But down the road, it could, obviously, if they're still in this same situation, if you're trying to build a roster, it becomes a problem. But, but again, right now, they're, they're going to fill their roster with guys who just want an NHL job, and they haven't had any trouble doing that the past two seasons. From the agent's perspective, though, and, and I know, I don't think this is any secret to anyone at this point. It's pretty widespread. They want clarity, and they want it really soon. And, and again, you have a new head of the PA as well. So you're going to have a shift in focus. And a lot of the players, a lot of the agents, a lot of people are telling Marty Walsh, hey, we, we need clarity on this situation. We need it right away. And Gary Bettman is going to be facing pressure from a lot of different angles uh, when it comes to the Arizona Coyotes. They need to resolve this really quickly. I don't know exactly what this what that timeline is like in terms of having, okay, this is where we're going next. but it's got to come pretty soon because a lot of people are fed up with this situation. Well, before the vote went down, I was reading what you wrote for uh, PHNX, and you sort of outlined the history of the Coyotes in terms of their <laughs> arena struggles and all that. And all of this uncertainty has prevented them from operating like a true NHL yeah. team should, right? And so it's not just like they start and they're just a bad franchise. There's so much more to it. But like you're kind of saying, how much more of that is the NHL going to tolerate? This Tempe thing was the answer. This was the permanent home that they owned on this piece of land that was going to bring in a crap ton of money and it was going to solve all the problems. But now if you're going back to this, like you said, playing in the Suns arena as a tenant, that that's, that's not going to help this organization grow. So do you right. feel like it's either find something very, very similar to Tempe or bust? Because it feels yeah, like I mean, the NHL like, should okay. just say, like, no, we're not doing this again if we're going to just middle it again, where you're going to be, you know, to, to quote the kids, a poverty franchise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'd, 
I don't know what the right answer is there. I Listen, I understand Gary Bettman's reasons for staying committed to this market because of its size, because of its importance as a media market, all, all those other things that matter to revenue beyond what fans see. Oh, they're, they're, they're not winning and they don't have good attendance. There are a lot more revenue drivers for business than that. But it's hard to keep saying, well, this is a really good market when you look at the Coyotes and and, and see their history, right? Like, if you if you put Salt Lake City and and the and uh, Phoenix side by side, it's obvious which is a better market, right? You choose Phoenix ten times out of ten, but then you look at the Coyotes' history and say, well, it, it hasn't worked. We've been trying this for two decades, so maybe it is time to take it to a place where they really want it and they have all the things in place. The thing that I would say, and it's going back to what you said, Jay, about that story, is all of this started when they left America West Arena downtown because they couldn't work as a tenant anymore. Richard Burke was trying to get the building built in South Scottsdale. They were still in negotiations there. And then his co-owner, Steve Ellman, gets a sweetheart deal from Glendale. We'll give you $180 million towards a $230 million arena to come west. Burke says, it's not going to work out there. If you really want to do that, you got to buy me out because the economics will never work out there. Richard Burke proved correct. And he said it to me in that story that I wrote. Everything that has followed for the Coyotes over the past two decades has been a product of that decision right there to go west. They couldn't make it uh, financially, so you had this instability in ownership where you had a constant turnover of owners because nobody could absorb that level of losses for a long time. You couldn't spend on the product either. You could invest in scouting or development or free agency because you weren't making the money from the arena. As I said earlier, the NHL is very arena-driven, so Everything came from that decision, and that's why they were trying to course correct and get to the right part of town where 75% of their premium season ticket holders and suite holders live, but they botched it. They botched it badly with the Tempe vote, so now it feels like in many ways we're back to square one. I, you, I don't have to explain to you, Craig. You see it a lot. You know, everybody, hockey's not going to work in Arizona. I've been... I've said that a lot too over the years, but as you deep dive, you know, you, you get into the weeds and you see why it hasn't been working. It's not because there hasn't been an interest. I mean, just look at some of the players that the state has produced over the last few years. I mean, obviously Austin Matthews, but guys like Matthew Nies. I, I scouted for two seasons in the North American League and saw the Junior Coyotes program. I saw Matthew Nyes play, you know, as a 16-year-old. Shane Doan was involved in that. Obviously, the, the game is growing out there. Yeah. So it, yeah, their it own their their own arena. They're being able to you know, as Jay said, run like a real team. Is that just the missing element to actually having some sustained success, both on the ice and in the seats? Is that is that the missing ingredient? Do you think it will finally work if they get their own arena? Well, you need stable ownership too, right? Everything filters down from that. But yeah, you need an arena in the right location, especially in a market like this. I mean, you could probably get away with a less than ideal location in a major hockey market. But in a market like this, you can't move away from your entire fan base and expect it to work. Now, in fairness, they thought that that was going to be the big boom area of the city before the recession in 2007-8 hit and just killed all those plans. But again, Richard Burke never thought it would work. If you look at the first few years they moved out here at America West Arena, their attendance was great. Like Keith, Keith Kachuk said this to me. That place was crazy. It was fantastic to play there when they were at America West Arena. So people turned out when it was in the right location. And then you mentioned the growth of hockey. 
Arizona is always top five when you look at USA Hockey stats for the growth of U Hockey. We have a Division One college hockey program out near, here at Arizona State now. We're producing the guys that you mentioned. I do think this is a hockey market, but the the details of it have to be right. You have to have the stable ownership. You have to have an arena on the east side or at least downtown. And then you got to you gotta win like everybody needs to win. You guys know this. You remember what the Blackhawks were like before they went into the cup run. I, I remember what the UC looked like. It was a, it was a, it was empty. There was nobody there. You got to win. I like what Bill Armstrong has done as the general manager. I like that they've committed full on to this rebuild instead of abandoning it like past GMs have done midstream. But if they don't get this piece in place, it, it's, it's just not going to matter. If the Coyotes move, where do you think is the most likely destination? Hell if I know. I, 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 I mean. I can check off all the supposed cities that the Coyotes were going to in the past and all of those reports other than the, the one that gets talked about the least is Portland. And that's the one where they were almost going. They were literally staff were told, start looking at real estate in Portland. That was way back when, but you know, Quebec, Winnipeg, uh, Vegas, Seattle, none of those were real. They were, it was just bad reporting. Um, and I don't think Houston is real either because I know the league has already vetted Tillman Fertitta and he doesn't have the money to buy the team, nor does he want to spend the money that it would cost to bring the Coyotes there. So you're looking at Houston. If you're going to go there, it's got to be an expansion market because you need a new owner and a new building. Cause again, you can't survive as a tenant in somebody else's building, not to mention the money you can make in expansion from Houston. Cause it's a massive market and they do love the market. So I have a hard time believing it's Houston salt lakes intriguing. That, that one, and I know Elliot Friedman has been doing some reporting on that. That one intrigues me because they have the pieces in place. I don't see why on earth they would go to a place like Kansas City, which I don't think is a good market at all for this, or I, I, I'm sorry to say it to Quebec, but I know you've had arenas sitting there for a long time, but sorry, the NHL just isn't that in love with you. You're not a great market for a lot of reasons. The Montreal Canadiens have a lot to do with why that building sits empty too. Last yeah. time I checked, yeah. they still have a lot of stroke. No corporate sponsorship either, right? When you look at all those other revenue streams, when the NHL does a deep dive on Quebec, it's it's not all that attractive other than, oh, the fans will show up. Well, that's that's only one revenue driver. I know a lot of people think attendance, it's everything. It's not. It really isn't. And it, it's a tiny media market too. So it doesn't add a lot on a lot of those other areas. I really wish that Milwaukee would get into the conversation uh, just in, just maybe not even for the Coyotes, just in general. Like, I, the Hawks started their preseason at Pfizer Forum. It was a nice arena for hockey. There was a great turnout to have it 90 miles from Chicago. And I know there's some old kind of, like, unspoken agreement that because of the Hawks there would be no hockey in Milwaukee. From what I'm told, yeah. that's not really a thing anymore. Uh, the Hawks would not push against having a team in Milwaukee I wish that they would get brought up more often because I think as a city, Milwaukee could be like the next Nashville where, you know, people from Chicago move up and, you know, the, the, it really seems like the city is on the rise there. I, it's just weird. We just have not heard that town's name at all when it comes to hockey. Wasn't it got, the senior word really was, was concerned about the so-called Blackhawks footprint extending all the way to Milwaukee? Wasn't it the senior word? Actually, our, it was anymore? it was Arthur words, if I recall correctly. Yeah. It wasn't even Bill. It was Arthur Though words. I think... Okay. A lot of that resurfaced in the late 80s, early 90s with, like, the Tampa expansion was might have been originally 
in the early stages, like Milwaukee and Bill kind of with the kibosh on that too. But yeah, who was it? Yeah. Was it Lloyd Pettit that was trying to get it done back then? I can't even yeah. remember. Yeah, yep. he was Lloyd, part of that. Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. built the Bradley Center to house a yeah, hockey yeah, team. That's right. So, mm. I, I would love it. I vote for. I vote for if the Coyotes move. We don't want them to move because we've got friends in, at PHNX. <laughs> but if it happens, I would love to see Milwaukee. It'll never happen, though. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I would. I I don't know what I'd do if actually if the Coyotes left. Maybe maybe I just apply to be a, a Walmart greeter. I don't know. Yeah. We can always <laughs> put a fourth chair on set here if you yeah. want to come cover the Blackhawks. <laughs> so we we'll welcome home. you back home. home. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be exciting to cover for the next fifteen years, don't you think? Do you like our set? I do. I like your set, and I I kind of like the player that you got too. So wow. <laughs> That, that's going to be a lot of fun. I don't I don't even know what it's like to cover a franchise player because the Coyotes haven't had one since Keith Kachuk left. It's been that long since they've had that level of player on the team, and that's another depressing reality of covering this team. They have never had a top-two pick, which is astounding when you consider their history. Well, you had Dylan Strom. <laughs> he was number three, and yeah, he was not a consolation prize. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cooley could be that guy, maybe eventually. Could be. Could uh, be. You know, and you got Clayton two Keller top twelve picks this year. Pretty damn good. Keller could be a franchise player if, but again, it's all about the stability. Like none of these guys yeah. are going to want to stick around if they don't know what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, if you haven't read Craig's reporting on this in the last week on PHNX. I recommend you do because he gets into the weeds, gets into the nuts and bolts. I know people love to scream to the high heavens. It's not a hockey market, but that's not necessarily true when you when you track the full history of what's going on out there. So I recommend, um, you know, follow Craig on Twitter and also read all his stuff because nobody's got his their their thumb on the pulse of the situation better than Craig does. I just tweeted the from the CHGO Blackhawks Twitter account CHGO underscore Blackhawks. Craig's piece before the vote, just kind of outlining everything that's happened up until now, and it really makes it a lot more clear as to why the Coyotes have been the way they have. Before we let you go, what do you make of the Clayton Keller's dad's tweet thing? Is that real? Is that a thing? What what happened with that? I reached out to Clayton's dad, and he said that was not him. So rampant. Yeah, over I don't know. <laughs> country. Back yeah. Back days there was like a fake imposters. Greg Boyson trolling you guys the other night too. I saw. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you made it. You know, yeah, you've made had, it. We had quite a few trolls uh, from Chicago on the show the other night, so yeah, thank you for uh, stepping in there. We went stern dad mode on them yesterday. Yes, yes, good. Good. We, good. But uh, you know good. you've made it when uh, people start making YouTube parody accounts of you, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Craig, back to work. All right, guys, thanks for having me. Good seeing <laughs> you. All right, we'll we appreciate you, man. We'll see you in Nashville in a few weeks. That's right. Get right, that cowboy good. hat ready to go, buddy. Save a spot on the, the way, pontoon I, boat. I saw that one of those rooms has, has bunk beds, so, Jay, you got the upper. Just letting you know. I do not yeah. want that. That's our. Have you room. ever seen Step Brothers? Where the, where the, that's gonna be you right underneath. Yeah. Say your prayers before you go to bed. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that. But if the bunk is a rocking, don't come a knocking. All right, man. We'll talk to you in Nashville at the latest, but hopefully sooner. Take care and right. send our love to everybody over there. All right. That's Craig Morgan. Follow him on Twitter at Craig S Morgan. Seriously, in terms of just hockey reporting in general. Craig is just top notch. Like Absolutely, he has yeah. been all over this story uh, and everything Coyotes. Uh, he's top notch. Like truly, journalist, is what a, a he true is. journalist. Yes, and yeah. when I look at how to cover a hockey team, I'll never be able to do it like he does. <laughs> but that is such a good template for how to do it because mm -hmm. he's great at what he does, and he's a Chicago guy. For those that don't know, yeah.
Yeah, and the and the whole PHNX group with with uh, Steve and, and Leah and and Craig, like not only covering the Coyotes, but also like I do not envy covering city council meetings no. and no. and all this political stuff and votes. I would have no interest in doing that. And, and they have been absolutely uh, incredible in their coverage of, of of all of that and the situation that the organization puts them yeah, in to, I, to cover the team. As I said, I so sp- shout out to them. For I sure. spent three years on a zoning board in Chicago for for the for sounds a, like a, fun for award, and it turned me off to the whole political process. Just <sighs> yeah, yeah. I it never wanted to to cover any of that stuff, but they've been their their coverage in general, even about the actual games, is out of this yeah. world. But everything they've been doing 100%. for the for the since their existence has been great. So. Uh, check them out. Check out their episode. Keep following though at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Follow Greg or Craig. That's me. I'm Craig. Um, follow them. They're gonna keep. Nobody is gonna have better information than Craig's going to over these next weeks, yeah. few months. Everybody on the national, your your Greg Wyshynski's, your Elliot Friedman's, all those guys. When they say reports say dealing the coyotes, it's a Craig. million percent, it's Craig's report that they're just <laughs> oh, recording. Guaranteed. So get yeah. the, get the stuff straight uh, from from you know the horse's mouth. Yeah, is that the phrase or is it camel's straight mouth? Straight from horse's the mouth. horse's mouth. Yeah. Horse's right. mouth. Sure it is. Yeah, that's right. From Craig's mouth because horses talk. Yes. Like, to be clear, Craig is not a horse. He is a man. It's just a, it's just a figure of speech. Yes. yes. Just to clarify for our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, speaking of Friedman. He was talking about the huge. I was listening to it was called uh, "Coyote Ugly." Was the headline of the podcast, which I thought was ah, creative. Yes. Um, and just said, the sense that was before. that just like Houston wasn't super serious about it. Like, yeah, it had been pursued, and you're like, eh, yeah, maybe. It just didn't seem like that intense of an interest. Yeah, it. I think maybe the interest of Houston was that you know, oh, they they've had the arrows before, so there's some hockey history in the town in the city, and it's like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like the number four media market behind Chicago, LA, and New York, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. So it's, it's maybe it's a bit of aggregation that everyone th- believes Houston would work. But yeah, I mean, as as Craig laid it out, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of pieces in place that would make sense. The Houston Arrows were a WHA team and then an AHL team. We weren't talking right. about an ECHL. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the Rockets owner would have to buy them if they want to move them in that building, and you know, yeah, there's one as proven by all these as we're going to see with the Bears, billionaires don't like spending their own money. That's how they get to be billionaires. And, right? and they're going to want somebody else yeah. to do it. And leagues, you know, being a, being a tenant or being a partner is is not more ideal than being the owner of your own building. So wherever they go, if they go anywhere. Um, they're gonna. It's gonna have to be their building, you know. It's yep. paying rent is not good as a multi-million, billion-dollar company. Well, as as Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick mentioned on that episode of Thirty Two Thoughts, the whole point, not the whole point, but one of the biggest points of that '94 lockout was to get the NHL teams to all own their own arenas, mm-hmm. and this kind of Coyotes have been the exception to that rule. Yeah. So, all but, right, we got to go. We're getting kicked off. Before we go, we got to tell you about uh, our friends with Shady Rays. And that, and Greg's going to do that yes. right now. Our pals in Arizona should be all be wearing Shady Rays. And you can, too. Take on the sun with gear built to last. 
Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers world-class product just as good as any expensive pair we've worn durable frames and extremely clear optics for your outdoor adventures that's not all shady rays offers you the most insane protection in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your pair even on day number one they told us they'll send you a brand new pair no questions asked wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase and together with their customers shady rays is providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the United States through Shady Ray's impact. From building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Ray's is making an impact in your community and others like it for now and for years to come. And if you don't love your Shady Ray's, you can exchange them for free or return them within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. They always have your back over at Shady Rays, and they are going to give you the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the promo code CHGO for 50% off two pairs or more of polarized sunglasses. And Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live right now. You can get 35% off all sunglasses at ShadyRays.com now until the 31st of uh, May. May. Yes, that's the month we're in. So try for yourself <laughs> the Shades. Rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, we got to go. We're back tomorrow at 2. Thanks for joining us. We are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook. Use the promo code CHGO when you sign up. For Greg and Mario, I'm Jay. The CHGO Sports Show is next, so don't go anywhere. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 2 o'clock, on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.